0: A much bigger market response today as the war rages on. Mr. Putin likely to get more aggressive. Sanctions starting to hit. Bond yields are way down. The US dollar is much stronger. Stocks are volatile. Oil is climbing even higher. Where does it all go next? And in amongst all this, what part are central banks going to play? We'll look at what the RBA said yesterday, what the Bank of Canada will do tonight, and what Jerome Powell might say in front of the House Committee in the US tonight. The only hope for the Ukraine conflict is that President Xi manages to talk some sentence of Vladimir Putin. But isn't it too late for that? It's Wednesday, the 2nd of March 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a big rise in the strength of the US dollar this morning, up almost 0.1% on the DXY. The Japanese yen is up on that. But as you might imagine... Just about everything else is down, including a three-quarters of percent fall in the euro, 0.7% down for the pound. The Aussie is holding up quite well. It's down less than 0.1%. The Russian ruble actually managed to climb back a little, gaining 5% after yesterday's free fall. Share markets are down today. We've got a 1.8% fall in the Dow, 2.1% for the S&P 500, 1.6% down for the Nasdaq, more than 4% down for the euro stocks, 50, and almost as much for the DAX. Compared to that, Asian equities largely up. Yesterday, the ASX 200 closed 0.7% up, so we can imagine a swift reversal today. The VIX index, uh, the volatility index, is up uh, to 35, the highest since year one of the pandemic and further falls in bond yields, another 10 basis points off US 10-year treasuries down to 1.73%. That's 26 basis points down since Friday. And just today, 21 basis points off German 10-year bunds back down into negative territory now, 28 basis points off UK's 10-year gilt yields. And contributing to all of this, the rise in oil, WTI and Brent both well over $100 now with a 9.4% rise in WTI up over $104 actually, an 8.3% rise in Brent, now over $106, we've also got a 2.5% rise in gold, a 5% rise in silver, so big, big moves, let's look at all of that with NAB's Tapas Strickland in Sydney, uh, I should say we also have Ivan Cahoon on this morning uh, to talk all things RBA, but Tapas, a big rush for bonds it seems, but I guess, you know, what else are you going to do uh, in circumstances like this? Except, of course, uh, you know, buy into commodities and gold and crypto. And
1: uh, obviously, a lot of people are doing that, too. Uh, good morning, Phil. And what a night for market moves. And I remember, we were talking uh, a week ago about where do you go in terms of markets, given the Russia-Ukraine situation. And uh, the revealed uh, preference here has been to commodities and, and to bonds. So a stellar night in terms of the bond market. And uh, just worth noting, uh, European bond markets, most of those 10-year yields um, are lower by uh, around 20 to 30 basis points so incredible moves being seen in uh, bond markets in Europe at, at the moment and I think that really reflects a reversal of the positioning that we had seen over the past couple of weeks so uh, leading up to the Russia-Ukraine um, situation you did have notions that the ECB may start to hike rates uh, sometime this year and would look to end its asset purchase program as well uh, by probably QQ2, um, that has been totally swung into reverse. Um, there's been plenty of leaked um, articles from anonymous ECB sources uh, saying that uh, the ECB is likely to keep the APP going For a while, and is willing to be flexible, just given the uncertainty that that's going on, and just giving the tying of rate hike timing to the APP purchases, uh, it looks like a a rate hike for the ECB is unlikely until sometime next year. So, what about the Bank of Canada? Well, you know they're
0: going to raise rates today, although you know it was almost certain, wasn't it? Not completely priced in now for a twenty-five basis point rate hike tonight.
1: No, that's right. So, when you look at market pricing for the Bank of Canada, I think it's about seventy-nine percent priced, and uh, you have seen pricing reverse for a slew of central banks. Around the world, and the most important one obviously being the US Fed, which now has 4.7 hikes uh, priced for 2022, uh, down from 6.3 hikes last week. And a March hike is now only 92% priced uh, for a 25 basis point move. And just a week ago, we we're talking about a 40% chance for 50 basis point hike. So, quite a pullback in central bank uh, hike pricing yeah. there. Um, in terms of the reason why, is you're starting to get some evidence of money market stress uh, occurring, and uh, for for markets at least, they're very cognizant that if central banks need to do something uh, in terms of alleviating some of that money market stress, then maybe that reduces the probability of of rate hikes in the near term. Um just worth noting though um, the the major us committee that looks at uh, financial stability concerns met uh, yesterday morning uh, and they noted that our funding markets were were okay and weren't too stressed there but just worth noting you are seeing a little bit of stress emerging uh, in some of the um, euro basis mm. swaps there and it, I guess the key uncertainty really is uh, to what extent was Russia a source of US dollars yeah. to Europe? Yeah, and uh, the and, and and the key question why I asked that is because obviously Russia is a major oil exporter, uh, receiving oil in US dollars and obviously supplying some of those US dollars on to the market. And it looks like, at least at the moment, that the appetite for the rest of the world for uh, Russian crude uh, isn't there. And you're seeing pretty hefty discounts on Russian crude relative to the Brent crude oil price of around $15. And there's a few interesting articles in the press uh, just noting some of the international buyers are just not willing to touch Russian yeah. cargo. So uh, it's sort of like of almost oil, the oil. sanctions
0: are almost happening by default, aren't they? Yeah, uh, or,
1: you know. or, or or even if they are willing to take the price discount, uh, they want Russia to take responsibility for the shipping because the shippers aren't necessarily wanting to ship Russian cargo. So it seems like a lot of self-regulation going on and a lot of people are scared that they're going to be caught up in the sanctions that have been imposed by a number of countries. So then
0: that, that raises the question, where do we go with oil? So the uh, the EIA has said uh, that they're going to try and stop the this rise in oil prices, they're going to coordinate the release of uh, 60 million barrels from reserves. So that's 2 million barrels a day for 30 days, which is 4% of the, the stockpiles for from the nations that are taking part. But, you know, that's uh, – what's that? About a third of uh, the, the, the oil that we're getting from, from Russia? It's not exactly – going to change the world, is it?
1: No, so I think $60 million uh, is equivalent to about... Barrels. S- oh, sorry, yeah. $60 million barrels is about uh, equivalent to six, <laughs> six days of <laughs> Russian production. Let's play by 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about equivalent to six days of Russian production and about 12 yeah. days of Russian export. So that doesn't really buy you too much time uh, if the rest mm. of the world is saying, uh, hang on, we don't necessarily want to or we can't um, because we're afraid of sanctions of buying. Right. Russian yeah. crude well, oil. one
0: question for you, a final question for you, and then I will come back after I've spoken to Ivan about the RPA. But just uh, just we're still while we're on central banks, because we've got uh, uh, Jerome Powell uh, talking later on. Incidentally, just before we started talking, Michael Saunders from the Bank of England, a member of the MPC, uh, did a speech at the University of East Anglia today. So I had a look at that. He managed to talk about uh, monetary policy without mentioning Ukraine or Russia all the word conflict, lots of graphs uh, but nothing about what's going on in Eastern Europe. I'm sure Joe Powell in front of the uh, the House panel, then the Senate panel, two days of grilling he's going to uh, be asked a lot about how he is going to juggle inflation concerns alongside this uncertainty over Ukraine and maybe even the stagflation word might even be mentioned but uh, certainly the word gradual will be used. Won't it? I mean we should issue a, a bingo check sheet on all of this but I mean that's going to be his answer isn't it? That we, we need to make moves to tackle inflation but given all this uncertainty is going to have to be very gradual.
1: Uh, Definitely. And I think that will definitely be his crash cry. And the other one might be uh, appropriate risk Risk management as well. <laughs> Stick that on the check sheet. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, right. and and I guess that lowers the chances of any central bank really moving by more than 25 basis points at a time because mm. you want to be gradual in this uncertain environment. Uh, and we wrote a piece in our Australian Markets Weekly uh, yesterday that kind of stepped through some of the logic from central banks. And really, it's tied up with to what extent do they see this as a demand shock versus a supply shock and the second round effects in terms of higher oil prices uh, to what extent does that slow demand out there Um, and our conclusion was uh, central banks that are faced with uh, relatively high inflation so you're talking about uh, the UK um, the US and New Zealand have less scope uh, to be able to look through these price rises but they're all but they're going to be very cognizant that um, if they do tighten, then the, the, a higher higher oil price will also um, be a break on demand as well. So they may not need to tighten to the same extent as they had previously thought. And then for central banks, mm. such as the ECB and for the RBA, with core inflation pretty much around target, they've got a little bit more scope to look through some of the price pressures. So um, that's fully consistent with what we have seen in market pricing. So uh, pushing out the hike cycle a little bit and also lowering the peak of, of, of the hike cycle as, as well. And in that environment, I think markets will also be starting to bring forward the point at which uh, yield curves uh, start to invert as well.
0: Well, let's find out more about the RBA because, of course, they did meet yesterday. Nabs, Ivan Cahoon, was watching the statement from the Governor. Uh, so, what did you make of it, Ivan?
2: Well, Phil, it was pretty optimistic view of the economy um, before obviously the key new uncertainty of Ukraine. I think very fairly, the Governor talked about, or the Board talked about about the expectation that the unemployment rate can be below 4% from the end of the year. The economy seems to be bouncing back well from Omicron. Household and business balance sheets are pretty uh, strong and there's plenty of job vacancies. So that was all good news.
0: So, well, okay, beyond the obvious, what else is uh, concerning the RPA right now then, would you say? Well,
2: beyond the uncertainty of the Ukraine and certainly the persistence of inflationary pressures, that's a topic that's exercising the uh, minds of central banks worldwide at the, at the present time. I think for most countries, it's true that the elevated level of inflation already means that central banks will have to normalise interest rates. Um, obviously, we're expecting the Fed to begin that process in March. In Australia yesterday, um, the Governor and the bank maintained their view that they can remain patient because they're expecting wages to pick up only gradually. Uh, and that gives them a bit of time to work through what's actually happening in the inflationary process in Australia. Once we get through these supply chain disruptions, uh, mm. wages going to be strong enough so that uh, inflation will uh, be sustained in that 2 to 3% region. Well, we hope, don't we? We hope it's not
0: more than that. So is there, is there anything else, um, that, any other takeouts from
2: yesterday? One important development, we think, is that they're starting to emphasise labour costs rather than just wages. And the WPI is a particularly constructed index. So it excludes things such as superannuation costs which are about half a percent each year and then other sign-on bonuses um, etc. So I think that is important it means that if the inflation rate prints much higher than expected and unemployment keeps improving uh, which I think both of those seem uh, risks to us over the next one to two quarters. The RBA could say that labour costs have improved enough if something like the WPI accelerates to 2.75%. Um and, however, if the inflation rate doesn't pick up as much, unemployment stalls above four and the du- the wages index remains at two and a half, then they may decide that inflation isn't going to be sustainably higher. Either way, we think it's consistent with the Reserve Bank on our forecasts uh, beginning to move rates up in the second half of this year. It will be earlier if we get some really big surprises on inflation, could be like Later if um, some of these supply chain problems are resolved and labour costs do not uh, increase as expected. Well, yeah, it's not just Omicron, is it, that's causing supply chain
0: difficulties now or inflation. Uh, things have certainly moved on. Thanks, Ivan. Uh, let's go back to Tapas now. Quick, Before we look at, uh, very briefly, the economic news that we've seen overnight, which is sort of playing second fiddle to all of this, just the situation that's going on on this talk that maybe China uh, will play a, a role in as a as a peace negotiator in all of this, because uh, that seems like the only out, doesn't it? I mean, we've, for example, we're seeing, uh, you know, in the last 24 hours bombing of the city of Kharkiv, 60 kilometers of Russian military heading uh, to Kiev uh, from the north, presumably through Belarus. So we assume that through all of this, more sanctions are going to follow. You'd assume Belarus is going to be included in all of that. So are we just going to see bond yields continue to fall, oil continue to rise, the US dollar getting stronger, equities still all over the place? uh, Or is there a hope that China will do something to negotiate a solution? Or are the the markets just going to say, well, we'll believe that when we see it?
1: I I think the markets are going to be looking more towards we'll believe it when we see it, mainly because Mm. there doesn't seem to be a clear off-ramp in terms of... um, bringing down those tensions there. Uh, the uh, Sorry, Ukraine definitely wants to have its independence uh, under the current regime, and you can't see that really changing anytime soon. And then Russia itself um, obviously uh, made the invasion uh, due to a number of different reasons there. And, uh, it's very unclear about whether a ceasefire, uh, brings about the conclusion of what they'll try to achieve there. Uh, it's, it's hoped definitely that, um, uh, some intervention by, by China may help, uh, some reconciliation there, but I don't think markets will necessarily pricing into that, uh, and, and, until we see it. And just worth noting, uh, markets, don't really price geopolitical uh, risk very well. And I think the Russia-Ukraine situation is a classic uh, case of that. Well,
0: there's no easy graph to look at for any of this, is there? So, uh, which brings us nicely onto things that can be stuck on a graph, but perhaps not particularly useful at the moment, because we saw manufacturing PMIs up in China yesterday, strong in Europe too. You know, if it wasn't for Vladimir Putin... Uh, we'd be talking about rising GDP numbers, strong PMIs, rising inflation, and asking whether supply chain disruption was easing and whether, that, despite that, inflation was still uh, on the rise. And does that mean we need more aggressive central banks? That's probably the discussion we'd be having
1: today, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. And just worth noting, all that data is pretty second tier at the moment, just given uh, the Russia-Ukraine headlines. But for what it's worth, the US manufacturing ISM was was fairly strong at 58.6 against 58 expected, and no further real easing of those supply-side Pressures, But I think in the next couple of months, uh, no doubt there'll be some mention about um, some flagging of demand just given the higher oil price going on there. Uh, in Germany, we did get a small upward surprise on CPI, but uh, the e- ECB has made it pretty clear, both publicly and through media outlets that it is looking to become more flexible, Um, just given the uncertainty out there. um, That asset purchase program is likely to continue for some time and as as a consequence, rate hikes are probably not likely until next year. Um, And then just worth noting, Canada GDP was also very strong at 6.7% annualised. Um, and that was a little bit more than what the Bank of Canada had, had expected. Uh,
0: yeah, also Euro area uh, CPI numbers are out today. The flash numbers for February. We get the ADP employment numbers. These, of course, non-farm payrolls week in the US. We get that on Friday. Uh, the Bank of Canada, we've already mentioned. Uh, and the uh, and GDP numbers for, for Australia. So what's that going to show us today?
1: Yeah, so we do get Q4 GDP figures for Australia very much in the background, just given the Russia-Ukraine tensions. But um, yeah. for what it's worth... Uh, Q4 GDP is expected to rise by 3.5% Q&Q and importantly, more than reverse last quarter's lockdown affected print. And really the strength in this quarter is being driven by consumers and a fairly solid inventory contribution. I guess the key implication here is while the GDP data is very dated, it does show the economy was likely very strong just prior to the Omicron variant. And more importantly, data since then um, suggests there's only really been a mild and short-lived impact from Omicron disruptions.
0: Right. OK, yeah. Oh my God. It seems so long ago, doesn't it? Uh, we'll see what happens over the next 24 hours. Good to talk, Tapas. Thanks for your time. Uh, cheers. Thanks, Will. What is going to be interesting today is to see how China takes to the IPC, the International uh, Paralympic Committee, if they ban Russia from the Paralympics, which actually starts on Friday. They're going to make a decision today. They might try and argue that they're already there, but I wonder how many countries would pull out if that was the case. Uh, so the uh, position that China takes on that is going to perhaps influence the the attitude they have to Russia going forward. It's going to be an interesting day for that as well. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB, back again tomorrow morning. See you then.